What's going on? Yerks here, and welcome to another episode of Yerks Talks. How we doing? Tuesday, October 27th. Halloween's right around the corner, which is crazy. I hope that people are uh, going to allow their kids to go out and trick-or-treat, you know, wear the masks, things like that. Uh, yeah, it's just, I hope it can still happen. I know that we're going to have candy to pass out, but uh, yeah, I hope that it can still be Halloween. Like it can still be a normal Halloween, if that makes sense. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping happens. So, on today's episode, pretty uh, short and simple. I did have something else planned, but uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta rant on the Chicago Bears in this one. I have to do it. I'm sorry. It's been too long. I've waited too long to rant on this team. And so first, we're gonna talk about Game Six. We're gonna preview World Series Rays. Dodgers game six we'll look into that one and then we're going to recap Monday Night Football but then after we I mean and that's going to lead into me ranting on the Bears so that's the plan for today's episode you follow me on Twitter if you want at John Yerkes there a lot of good stuff a lot of good content I'm putting out on Twitter I mean not too much you know I tweet when I can when I think something's funny I tweet it out when I uh, like something I like it and then when I uh like a tweet, I retweet it and maybe add a comment. So, I mean, that's kind of how Twitter works. But, yeah, give me a follow if you want, at John Yerkes. You can follow the podcast as well on Instagram, at Yerkes Talks. You can follow on Spotify, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. All right, let's get into it. Start with baseball. Game six tonight, Dodgers are up three to two. Uh, the previous 46 times the World Series been, has been tied after four games. The game five winner goes on to win the title, win the whole shebang. 65% of the time. Lately, though, there's kind of been a shift. Uh, eight out of the last 14 times this has happened, the team behind in the series uh, wins the last two games and goes on to win the title. Uh, the last team to do it, well, it was last year, the Washington Nationals. Remember, they made that huge run. They were out of it near the All-Star break, and they went on a ridiculous surge and ended up winning the whole thing. So that was great to see. Uh, obviously, I'll start with the Rays. Obviously, they have pressure here, and they need to come out hot. They really do. It, fe- it feels like they've been ke- playing catch-up this entire series. Uh, there's only been one game where they've scored first. So, yeah, I mean, not great. And then three out of the five games, the Dodgers have scored in the first inning. So, yeah, it's really deflating, you know, in a game, right, where uh, – so, for example, in Game 4, they had that crazy finish with Brent Phillips. That was amazing. And then Game 5, they come out, and they're down 2 nothing in the first inning. It's like, ah, oh, geez, here we go again. So it's really important for them to come out hot. And then also, uh, they got to get better with running runners in scoring position. Uh, they've not been out. The only game they've really been out of was Game 1, where they lost 8-3. to Every other game, right, they've either, they've either been in it or they've won it, you know? I mean, obviously, John, come on now. But they're only hitting... Uh, point, uh, they're only hitting 192, so just under 200 with runners in scoring position. They're a little bit better in the World Series. It's around 230, but still, they got to get those runs in, man. Because the Dodgers, like that lineup, you can't compete with them, you know, bat for bat. You're not going to be able to do it against L.A. Their lineup is too stacked, too many good players. Uh, the, the main, the key thing here, is, like when they have runs in scoring position, I mean, obviously you got to get them in, but they really need to put the ball in play. John Smoltz, the broadcaster for the World Series, uh, the color commentator, he's been talking about this a lot, right, where, you know, tensions are high. Obviously, it's a huge moment. You're in the World Series. Obviously, you know, not fans, but it's still 
I mean, the players care, right? The fans are still invested, even though they're not there, or as many are there. And so, you know, a routine ground ball might not be so routine. You know, flashback to game four, uh, this, the single to center. I mean, that should have just scored Kiermaier, but then Taylor makes an error, and then Will Smith makes an error at home plate. And now, now we have a game. Now the series is tied, you know? So it's really important for them to put the ball in play. They've had a lot of strikeouts the race have in this position. Uh, go to game five. They were one for seven with runners in scoring position, and three of the times they struck out, which is terrible. You don't advance the runner. You don't cause the Dodgers – fielding to maybe perhaps make a mistake so they really got to get better at least put the ball in play man you know maybe get maybe get more creative you know play that uh that small ball you know bunt maybe try double stealing maybe the hit and run things like that uh let's move to pitching so blake snell he's gonna be making his sixth postseason start in this one uh he's been solid uh two and two record in the postseason a 3.33 era uh here's some interesting numbers though for him so through four innings He's been dominant. He's only allowed three runs and two home runs. But once he gets, but after that, from the fifth inning on, he's he's allowed six runs and three home runs. So the key for Snell, obviously, is if he can get to the six without any trouble. I mean, that's what the Rays need because if they can get to the sixth inning, then they can rely on their bullpen. A uh, few guys that have been great for them. So Aaron Loop, I thought he would have a huge part being the lefty right out of the pen. He's probably the first left-hander out of the pen. He's been great. Remember that Dodgers lineup, a lot of left-handed bats. And then obviously you have Peter Fairbanks. He was great. He's been good. Uh, Diego Castillo's getting some extra work. I want to talk about a guy that's been great, that has been great. He's one of the reasons why they're here, uh, but he hasn't had it in the postseason. Nick Anderson. Uh, it's, it's a shame because he was so dominant in the regular season. 16 and one-thirds innings, five hits, only one run, one home run. Like, the one run was off a home run, three walks, and 26 strikeouts. So that's in the regular season. In the postseason, he's been anything but spectacular. Like he's just – he's not been good. Uh, 14 and one-thirds innings, 15 hits, eight runs, three home runs, four walks, and nine strikeouts. You just – you can't in – in a game six, do or die, you can't go to him. I know that he's one of your best – I mean, he was one of your best arms in the bullpen all year, but you just can't do it. So – uh, two guys that I think that could step up, right, uh, is first John Curtis. He pitched Saturday. He looked good. And then Ryan Thompson, he's pitched. He pitched the whole weekend. He pitched Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, no hits allowed, no runs, and only one walk. So these two guys are probably going to need to step up along with Aaron Loop, Peter Fairbanks, and Diego Castillo. Let's talk about the Dodgers a little bit. Now I'm going to try to stay unbiased here, do an unbiased take, obviously, I'm a Padres fan. Boo, Dodgers, boo. But this is – but in my – so I'm going to just impartial here. Uh, they need to go for the kill tonight. They, they have to try to end the game tonight. Or to end the series, excuse me. They have to try to end it tonight. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, a lot of news uh, articles and clip and, like, I <laughs> clippings. Jesus, what am I? <laughs> what am I, 80 years old? I've seen a lot of articles and I've read some stuff online. Um, and even in the broadcast, they're talking about it where, you know, you don't want it to go six, but if it does go seven, then we have our ace Walker Bueller on the mound. I just think that that mindset is is dangerous, and you really shouldn't have it. And I think that you really need to try to end it in six, okay, and, and not try to like rest on your laurels and be like, oh well. I mean, if we don't play well tonight, then at least we have game seven and Walker Bueller's out there. I mean, maybe he has a rough start. It, it, it could happen to everybody, all right? So. Tonight, 
for the Dodgers, I think it's really important for them to just shut the door now. Uh, Tony Gonsolin is going to be on the mound for them. Uh, he pitched in game two. Uh, he went only one and one-thirds, one hit. That was the Brandon Lowe home run to lead off the top of the first. Uh, one walk and one strikeout. He didn't lead off. I believe he batted. He batted. I believe he bat second. I believe that's second in game two. Uh, but he, he'll most likely be an opener. So behind him, you're looking at guys like Dylan Floro, Pedro Baez, uh, Adam Kolarek, Joe Kelly, Kenley Jansen. I believe he'll probably pitch. You could see him in the seventh or maybe as a setup man for Trinan, depending on the game script. Uh, it seems that Blake Trinan has established himself in the World Series as the closer. Obviously, Jansen, he blew the save in game four. Not really his fault. I mean, he gave up a couple of like bloopers, like blooper singles. So, I mean, it's a little tough. He also, I mean, he had a walk to Rosarena, but I don't know. So you could see him in the seventh or maybe in the eighth as a setup man for Trinan, depending if the Dodgers are leading. A couple of other notable names. So Dustin May, he pitched Sunday, so he's on one day rest. Most likely, you'll probably save him along with Julio Urias, who's on two days stretch. But Julio, he started in game five, so you could see him maybe. Oh, no, sorry. He started in game four, I believe. Yeah, my bad. He was in game four, so you probably. Or am I getting that mixed up? I might be getting that mixed up. It's either game four. It's either game. I think he started in game three. Yeah, I think I believe he started in Game Three. So yeah, he's on two days rest. So you could save him for Game Seven, potentially. I think yeah, it'd be tough to see him. You could also see Broodsar Gratterall tonight. Uh, he's on two days rest, but uh, again, another arm that Dave Roberts might want to save. But he could probably. I mean, it's Game Seven, right? Everybody's available. Uh, you can see Clayton Kershaw right in Game Seven. I doubt you see him tonight. There's no way. Uh, but yeah, I really think that if the Dodgers, the Dodgers need to. St- just keep applying the pressure, right? Go for the kill tonight. Uh, you don't want you don't want to, you know, be like, okay, well, at least we have Bueller, right? You don't want to just phone in Game Six if you're down early. I think they really need to like try to close it tonight. You don't want to give the Rays any momentum, okay? Obviously, I don't want that to happen. Everybody loves a Game Seven. I don't want the Dodgers to win the World Series. So come on, Rays, like let's force a Game Seven. I want I want a Game Seven. I want I want another one tomorrow. Let's do it. Let's get back to Charlie Morton. He needs to have a rebound game. He let the foul taste in his mouth, right? He has to be better in game seven. So let's go. Come out, race. Come out. Let's do it. All right. Let's shift to the NFL. I'll start with some news first, and then we'll talk about Monday Night Football. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm getting ready to talk about the Bears. I'm not happy. Okay, so a couple of news stories here. I got three. So we'll start with the veteran wide receivers. So I don't believe I made a formal announcement of this, but Antonio Brown, he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a one-year, $1 million deal. He also has up to $1.5 million in incentives, right? So, you know, depending on how he does on the field. I have no idea how the Bucs are going to keep everybody happy, right? You have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller's kind of emerged as a slot weapon. You have Gronk getting involved, uh, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and they throw Antonio Brown into the mix. I have no idea how it all works, but Tampa Bay has kind of assumed the the mantra of the more the merrier, you know, and uh, they're playing extremely well right now. I'm just glad Seattle didn't get them, but yeah, Tampa Bay, 
Uh, Tom Brady's been disgusting. Obviously, I'll, I'll talk about my top 10 teams in the NFL on Thursday. But uh, I believe the Buccaneers right now, they're the team to be in the NFC. I don't think it's close. Like, the offensively and defensively, I think their shoulders above everybody, right? Well, not maybe not offensively, but they had the best defense in the NFC, 100%. And then uh, another wide receiver here. So, Des Bryant, he's finally back in the NFL. This is a rumor last week, and now it is – um, now it's true. It's happening. So the Baltimore Ravens, they have signed Des Bryant to their practice squad. Uh, he's been out of the league for two years now, but he's still, you know, he's been staying in shape. He's been running routes with some quarterbacks, things like that. If you don't remember Des Bryant, he was on the Cowboys many moons ago, and he was one of the best wide receivers in the league. So I'm happy for him. Uh, he, he tweeted out that he was blessed. You know, he was, he was in tears. He just wanted a second chance. Remember, if you, if you don't remember, he was with the he signed a one year deal with the Saints, and I was like, oh, that was going to be interesting, right? Alongside Michael Thomas, there, I believe they still had Ted Ginn on the Saints in that season, and then he went down. I believe he tore his ACL, and he, that was that was it, and he never really got another chance after that. So I'm excited to see him, uh, you know, see what he has, see uh, see if he still has it. Uh, I guess a comp would maybe be AJ Green. Uh, now, it's a little bit different. I think that Green has had more injuries in his career, but you look at A.J. Green this year, and he's definitely lost a step. Uh, the Bengals have moved him more into the slot now, and you can see that he's having more success. It's similar to what the Cardinals have done with Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald had a great Sunday night football game, and it's because he doesn't really go down the field as much. Now, he's just a great route runner and just finds ways to get open, and obviously he's got one of the best hands in the league in Fitzgerald. Uh, so, yeah, well, I'm excited to see Des Bryant, and the, the Ravens need him. They, they don't have enough weapons on offense, you know. So, uh, hopefully, he's on the practice squad right now, but I think eventually he'll probably take a roster spot, depending on how he looks. So, yeah, I'm pulling for Des Bryant. Speaking of Dallas, right, remember former, former Dallas player in Des Bryant, we got Jerry Jones in the news. Uh he was yelling at people on the radio. So uh, there's a weekly radio segment that Jerry Jones does, of course, because he's Jerry Jones and he just wants to have his hand at everything. So it's Shan, the Shan and RJ show, is that I believe that's correct, on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, he, essentially, the one of the co-hosts asked if there was a leadership void in Dallas. And he just went off. He was saying, like, let me finish. You don't know what you're talking about. Rabble, rabble, rabble. Shut up and let me answer. Uh, at the end of the the interview, though, he did apologize, saying like, "Oh, I'm just frustrated. I'm sorry. Like, you know, got that southern that southern uh, draw. You know, just being like, yeah, I didn't mean it. Like, you know, all stuff like that." Uh, he did bring up a couple points on the interview. He was saying forty percent of their salary cap is not on the field due to injury, and that's very frustrating. But also, it's like, man, like Jerry Jones likes to play players. Man, he's he, he's he's totally like a player's he's a player's best friend. Right where he doesn't, you know, I don't know if you want a friend running your, running your uh, franchise. Right, I don't think it's a very good look. You know, trying to make everybody happy. Uh, I don't think it's great. Uh, he also backed Mike McCarthy, saying that he's been through adversity and he knows how to, you know, right the ship, things like that. I'm eventually going to do my own segment on the Cowboys, but here's here's the take. I mean, it's over. It's it's done. Okay, they they need to just like just. Move on. I mean, like, just move on from McCarthy. Like, just a fresh start. Uh, they need... <laughs> I thought this was funny. Uh, they need a football whisperer, right? You know, so you have Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. 
You have, you know, Gordon Ramsay. He does that show, Kitchen Nightmares, where he goes in and, like, revamps and talks about maybe the owner taking more responsibility. You have uh, John Taffer with Bar Rescue. You need some guy uh, with football to just go in and, like, talk to Jerry Jones and be like, hey, Jerry, I understand you love the Cowboys, but you need to step off and you need to hire a coach that you have to give your coach, your head coach, more power and more responsibility, okay? You can't. Can't have your hands in everything, right? Go chill on your yacht. If you want to have inside, then that's fine. But you can't do everything. And maybe just have like <laughs> maybe he like if Jerry starts to talk, just like have it like season Milan, like ch, ch, down Jerry, down Jerry. <laughs> I got I got bad respect for Jerry Jones. I think that it's, you know, like to go he's kind of, he's an American story, right? Going from like zero to like buying the Cowboys for a bunch of money, and people were saying, like, that's ridiculous. You'll never make your money back. And to now it's like, I think he's making, like, double or triple now what he, what he you know, invested into the stadium. So, yeah, I just think that, like, guys like that maybe are a little bit too power-hungry or maybe they, they their head is too, like, far into it. You know, like, where, like, they kind of have, like, now that they have the, now that they're established, and they have like their empire. They can't really take the blinders off. And that's what Jerry needs to do. Is just kind of take the blinders off. Step back. Reset a little bit. And delegate more. So yeah. Without going too much further with the Cowboys. That's what. It's, they got to they gotta rebuild. It, it's time to close up shop. And uh, be under renovation for the next two or three years. And like come back. Come back stronger than ever because football. As much as much as I hate to say it, when the Cowboys are good, football is great. Okay, like it's America, like you know, quote unquote America's team. And yeah, so like you know, you want your you want your powerhouse franchises to be good, right? And so right now it hurts that it hurts the NFL that Dallas isn't as good. The Dallas is crap. Honestly, like if you look. <laughs> This might be like we, this. This is a high. I guess it's not like a hot take. Maybe it's a lukewarm take. If you look at the division right now, I think Dallas is the worst team in the division. Even even if Dak was healthy, now obviously like, but as far like not maybe not record wise, right? But as far as like coaches that are in place, right? So Joe Judge, I think he's been doing a great job. The defense has gotten better every week. You know, the offense, obviously, they have injuries as well. Their alliance is not great, but, the, you know, there's no Saquon. They finally got Sterling Shepard back last week, and you show how much of an impact he can have. The Eagles, right, injuries again. I still believe in Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, who, even though Doug Peterson has made terrible two-mic conversion calls, the Washington football team, who after last week, and who have played two two great weeks of football defensively, and then the offense got it going last week against the Cowboys – I love Ron Rivera. I think that he's going to establish a new culture there. They have a new GM in who I like as well. And so, like you know, long term, looking at the four teams in that division, I think Dallas is in the worst shape. They owe a bunch of money to people. I said it. Okay, I got to stop talking about Dallas because like, I could just – that could be the rest of the video. But essentially, they owe a bunch of people a ton of money. You know, they, salary, they uh, franchise tag Dak, and there's rumors that they're going to bring him back which I don't think they should, and that's, again, a different video, different episode altogether. Uh, so, yeah, I think, it, you know, looking at it today, long term, I think Dallas is in the worst shape. And so it's time to rebuild, time to start over. Jerry, just give hand the reins over a little bit, man, okay? You can still be involved, all right? 
You can still like when you win a Super Bowl, you, you're still there. You're still the guy that you know got it done. Just like allow your coaches to coach, man. You give them more responsibility. All right, let's go to Monday Night Football. Yeah, freaking okay. So the Rams beat the Bears twenty-four to ten. I'll start with the Rams, and then we'll go in on the Bears for the rest of the episode. So this is, I felt like, kind of similar to the Niners last week. This was a must-win for them. Uh, they looked bad last week on the offense. Defensively, I think they played well enough to, you know, get get the win. The Rams' offense kind of let them down. Uh, they won in all three phases in this game, offensively, defensively, and and special teams, who I normally don't shout out, but i got to start talking about more about the special teams, and this was a great example of it. So I'll start with the offense. Jared Goff, 22 of 33 for 219 yards and two touchdowns. He didn't have to do much. He, You know, he got the job done. Um, you know, this game, it was more about the Bears just inept to do anything. Uh, he, the, the Rams offensive, they came up with a lot of injury, a lot of injury, a lot of energy, and they, they wanted to run the ball, and they did exactly that. 161 yards on the ground. Daryl Henderson had 64 running back. Running back Daryl Henderson had 64 yards, and then Malcolm Brown, the other running back, had 57. Their leading wide receiver was Josh Reynolds. He had four catches for 52 yards and a score. Again, the offense didn't really have to do much. Uh, defensively, for the Rams, they had four sacks. Two of them were by former Bear Leonard Floyd. Uh, it was good to see. I always, I always liked Leonard Floyd. Uh, thought he was really good. So you know, uh, we got Robert Can we got Robert Quinn from the Rams. I believe that we sent Floyd over with a with a pick as well for Robert Quinn. It's worked out for both sides. Aaron Donald he had half a sack in this one, but he was causing. I mean, you're thinking, oh, that's it. Uh, but I mean, he was causing chaos all night. He was disrupting the offensive line. The defensive line as a whole was uh, was a huge problem for the Bears. They just really struggled. Special teams, the player of the game, in my opinion. Right, remember the Rams won in all three phases. The punter Johnny Hecker for the brand. He was sensational in this one. He had five punts in this game. All of them were downed inside the ten. Uh, I mean, that's great. It's a, it's something that maybe isn't talked about enough. But the coaches, obviously, in the NFL, harp on it a lot. Right, we we weren't great on special teams. I mean, the average field position for the Bears was what, like maybe like the twenty yard line. Like their twenty yard line, and for the Rams, it was like maybe their forty yard line. So yeah, Hecker was f- phenomenal. The you know the special teams unit for the Rams was great. The, I mean, ob- like what this does right is the Bears because the Bears are so terrible on offense. Uh, you know, you you give your you give the Rams offense a short field because the Bears can't move the chains or get a first down. So they're punting in their end zone, and then the Rams get the ball at like the fifty, and so you know it makes it so much harder for the Bears defense to do anything right. Uh, so, yeah, gave the Rams short fields, and they were able to capitalize. All right, let's talk about them. Chicago Bears. All right, I need to oh, <laughs> Okay. I'm going to try not to get too worked up, but it's really frustrating. And I, I've been holding this off, okay? I was, I've been waiting because, you know, people are like, oh, they're 5-1 and one going into this game. You know this, that, and the other thing. Like you know, the the record doesn't they're five and one. But I mean, but this man, this offense. All right, so I'll start off by saying this: the defense is great. Okay, like it's a great defense. They kept them in the game all night. Uh, you know, you're thinking you saw the, the final score of this game was ten to twenty four. So you think, oh, like, oh, you're thinking, oh, the Bears scored a touchdown. So who scored the touchdown? Was it maybe Allen Robinson from Foles? No. Was it David Montgomery getting in the end zone? Maybe a pass where he ran it in? No. 
Uh, was it Anthony Miller? No. Jimmy Graham? No. Oh, well, who wasn't on offense? Uh, it wasn't anybody on offense. The defense scored the only touchdown for the Bears last night. It was a great play by Robert Quinn. He uh, he read the wide receiver sweep to Robert Woods. He got upfield, forced the fumble from Woods, and then it was a scoop and score by Eddie Jackson to make it ten to twenty four. Uh, yeah, the defensive the the defense of the Bears outscored the offense seven to three. I mean that's how bad the offense was and is for the Bears. So that play happens. It's twenty four to ten, and then the Bears what do they do? They go and force a three and out. So there's five minutes left in the game, and you're thinking, all right, the Bears have three timeouts. Maybe if they're able to go down the field quickly and score, they're only down seven. The Bears' defense has proven that they can stop the Rams. Maybe they get a chance to go down and tie the game with, you know, two-minute drill. But what do the Bears do on offense? Nick Foles throws a pick, and the game's over. That's, I mean, it's just, it's so bad. I don't understand. The defense, even after the turnover, Held the Rams to three and out. It just it didn't matter, man. The the, def, the defense is not the problem here. They're great. I think that this defense can win you a Super Bowl, but this offense is horrific, and I don't I don't get it. Here are the Bears. The Bears had eleven drives last night. Here are here are, here are how the drives ended up. Okay, ready for this? Because it is just a dumpster fire. All right, here we go. So eleven drives for the Bears. Here they are. Punt. Punt, field goal, punt, 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 interception in the end zone, turnover on downs, turnover or turnover on downs in the red zone, interception, turnover on downs. I mean, what the hell is that? Only 49 yards on the ground. They only rushed for 49 yards. They only had 279 yards in the game. 4 of 14 on third down. To give you an idea, the Rams were 4 of 13 as well. All right, but that was more because the Bears' defense is playing great. For, on the Bears' side of things, they're four, four, they were 4 for 14 on third down because Nick Foles and the play calling just doesn't work. I mean, there was even a point in this game where the broadcasters brought up that Foles had talked about how Matt Nagy will call plays and Foles knows in the huddle that they're not going to work. Well, then talk to Matt Nagy about it or call an audible. I don't understand. I mean, oh, the, one of the turnover on downs plays, it was a fourth and three, and they've been struggling to run the ball all night. David Montgomery, I feel so bad for the kids. Second year now, he, he doesn't have a chance. People are going to say, like, oh, he doesn't look very good. Well, if you're getting hit in the backfield on every handoff, what are you supposed to do? I mean, God bless him. He's trying his hardest, man. He's breaking tackles, all this stuff, but he can't do it. And this fourth and three play, they decided to do a toss to Cordero Patterson. So you're, you've been struggling to run the ball forward anyways and now you throw the ball back five yards and obviously they don't get it it makes no sense one for four on fourth down i mean, blame some of that on the play calling some of it on you know the offensive line which is abysmal uh oh for two in the red zone two no points two turnovers the turnover on downs on fourth and goal and then nick Foles throwing a god-awful interception his wide receivers covered the whole way throws it anyways should have thrown it on should have thrown it to the back of the end zone or maybe higher up, so I believe it was to Mooney, who I was calling Moody yesterday. It's Mooney is his last name, the rookie. He's been great. Uh, but you don't give him a chance. You just throw it right to the cornerback. It gets bad up in the air. It gets picked off. There's six five-win teams in the NFC. Six of them. And here is their point differential, right? So for those of you, I'll quickly explain point differential. It's pretty straightforward. You know, you want to score more points than you allow, right? So... 
if a positive number means you're scoring more than you're allowing. A negative number is you're you're conceding more than you're scoring. All right. So here are the six teams in the NFC with five wins. Here's their point differential. So the Bucks are number one. They're plus 80. That's how good they've been. The Cardinals are plus 57. The Rams are plus 52. The Packers are plus 38. Seattle is the Seahawks are plus 31. And then we get to the Bears. If you had to guess what the Bears plus point differential was, what, like maybe plus 10, plus 15, something like that? Yeah, no, they're negative two. Are you kidding me? They have five wins and they have a negative point differential? The Bears' defense is only, they're seventh in the NFL. They're allowing only 20 points points per game. This offense is shit. They're awful, man. 27th in points per game, 19.7. Awful. 30th in yards per play, 30th in yards per run, 29th in yards per pass, 30th in third down conversion percentage, and 29th in red zone efficiency. I mean, I don't even, I don't understand. And Matt Nagy comes out today and has the nerve to say that he's not going to relinquish play calling duties and he's not even going to consider putting Trubisky back in. Why not? I don't, I don't get it. He's going to stick with Nick Foles, who has the 27th QBR in the league. It's awful. And now it's not all it's not all on Nick Foles, okay? This offensive line stinks. I get that. Their left guard, James Daniels, their starting left guard, he's on IR. You had the right guard, the veteran, Kyle Long. He retired this offseason. I get it. But in four games, the four games that Nick Foles has started now, he's completing 60, 66% of his passes, which is fine. But he only has three touchdowns and five interceptions. I mean, give me Trubisky. At least he's mobile. At least, you know, because if your offensive line can't run the ball or block, I mean, at least he can move around and things like that. I, I just don't understand, man. It makes no sense to me. I, I, it, It's so frustrating. And now you're in a situation that, it, like, people, they were talking about after the game. It's like, well, this is not fixable. You know, it's doomed. It, I, it's just such a shame, man. I just think that maybe, and I have to really go back and look at the play calling in this game by Matt Nagy to maybe see if he's just setting up Nick Foles for failure. And from what uh, Foles said in his, I guess, interview yesterday, or I think it was, I think it was leading up to. So obviously the commentators they interview some of the players before the game, and so I believe it was in one of those interviews that Nick Foles says, Nick Foles says what he did about um, what he's. He, oh my God, I can't stop right now. Where Nick Foles says that Matt Nagy calls plays where he knows that they're not going to work. And if that's the case, then there's a disconnect there, and that's really scary. But here are the Bears' next four games, all right? So they play the Saints next week at home, so that's probably a loss. And they're at Tennessee, at the Titans, that's a loss. And they're home against Minnesota. It's a rival game, right? They should beat Minnesota, but who knows? And then they're at the Packers, so that's probably a loss as well. Matt Nagy has not beaten the Packers, ever. He's undefeated against the other teams in the division, which is great, but he hasn't beaten the Packers, which is the team that you have to beat. And right now you're tied. Well, not you're behind them now because you've lost two. Here's the reality of the Bears situation. And it's just so sad, man. But here, here, here it is. By the end of these next four games, this is what's going to happen. By the end of these next four games, right, they're going to win one out of four if they're, I mean, two out of four if they're lucky, but most likely they'll go go one for three. And after these next four games, the defense is going to be fed up with the offense, and they're going to abandon ship. 
And that's exactly what happened last year. So if you don't remember, 2019 Bears, they started 3-1. and Then they lost four games in a row. And then the season was over. That was it. And people were saying, like, oh, the defense doesn't look very good. The defense, you know, Khalil Mack isn't playing very well, this, that, and the other thing. And the reason is because when your defense and your offense can't score points at all, at all, right, and you have to be on the field for a majority of it, right, more than half of the game in this one they were on the field, and you you are constantly you get turnovers for your offense, and they can't capitalize. They can't score points, or bet or worse, they turn the ball over, which is what Foles did last night. Or you see your offense get into the red zone, and they can't score touchdowns. As a defense, I mean, there's only so much of that you can take before eventually you hit you hit the climax of that, and you're like, you know what, I'm out, man. I'm checking out, and that's exactly what the Bears did last year, and it's going to happen again this year. That's what I think is going to happen because no matter how well this defense plays. Against like the teams, you know, no matter how well they play against teams that they're equal with, right? Because I think that the Rams or Bears are very equal, equally built teams. I think that, you know, player for player, I think that they stack up very well. Offensively, you probably give the edge to the Rams, but there's playmakers on both sides, right? I mean, Robert Woods, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Anthony Miller. I mean, they're they're closer than you think, right? Uh, they have two talented rookies, Van Jefferson for the Rams. You have Mooney for the Bears. Running back-wise, I think David Montgomery is very talented, but you still give the edge to the Rams because they have more guys in that position, right? Remember, Tyreek Cohen went down. If Tyreek Cohen's healthy, I give the edge to the Bears most likely. Quarterback, obviously, to Goff. But defensively, I think that you give the edge to the Bears, honestly. I think the Rams are right there, but these are very even-matched teams. And so the Bears' defense, they realize now after this game that if we play even competition – we cannot rely on our offense to get the job done. So we're going to have to score defensive touchdowns like they did this, like they did last night, or take the ball away a million times and allow our offense to be in field goal range because we can't trust our offense to move the ball at all. And it's a shame, man. It really is. And I think that I, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't know why you wouldn't move to Trubisky to try to fix the problem. I get that you benched him already, and maybe it looks bad, man, but come on, let's try to win games. We understand that Trubisky's not the guy. We get that Foles isn't the guy long-term either. But, like, right now we're just trying to win games and, like, not have our defense quit on us because we can't move the ball at all. I mean, it was it was horrendous, man. Like, you should be embarrassed if you're a Bears fan watching that game, and I was, man. I It was... Like to not be able to move the ball at all, and just the wide open receivers that Foles was missing. I mean, the offensive line obviously they have their problems, but I mean, just the lack of screen plays as well was really frustrating too. Try to get the ball out quick, you know, so because the line can't hold up against. I mean, the Rams would rushing would only rush four and get home. The line just couldn't take it, and so I was I was really shocked by the lack of screen plays. Right, maybe throw one to Montgomery. Right, get a screenplay going for him. Or maybe try to throw like a wide receiver screen, things like that. I mean, nothing was working. I they they couldn't do anything. So yeah, the Bears. I think that's what's going to happen, right? They're going to play these next four games. They're going to most likely go one and three, zero oh and four. I mean, is on the table. It could happen. And this Bears defense, they're going to realize that they can beat the good teams, or they can beat the teams they're better than. They can probably beat the good teams. But when it comes to the great teams, right, or teams that they're at level with, right, skill position-wise and just offensively, defensively, right, the players, and then also just, you know, how they're playing as a whole, like the teams, right, which happened last night, 
they they probably are realizing now, just like last year, that their offense will not be able to get the job done. And so they're, they're going to take plays off. They're going to like get really frustrated. If they go down early in games, you're probably going to see a lack of effort from the defense because what's the point? It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you see it like with Aaron Rodgers, right? You see their defense, right? Um, if Aaron Rodgers is down in a game, right, maybe down a touchdown or maybe down two scores in that same situation last night, I mean, he gets points, all right? Like that's that, the offense is able to move the ball, okay? And that's that's like straight up. That's what happens, right? Tampa Bay this year. And the reason why the Bucks defense is playing so hard is because if we give Tom Brady the ball, we know he's going to go down and score. You know, same with any other team. Seattle, Arizona, you know, with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. If we if we get if we turn the ball over or if we get a stop here, we trust our offense to go down and get the and get a score. Tennessee, same thing with Ryan Tannehill in that offense. We trust our offense to go down and get a score. With the Bears, I mean they're hanging on by a thread. The, like, the trust is hanging on by a thread. And like I said, it takes both teams, right? It's got to be complementary football, okay? The defense has been carrying the offense for the past three years now. And, yeah, I think Matt Nagy needs to take a lot more of the blame. I think that, you know, 2018, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors. 2019, it started off kind of the same way. They were trying to be cute on offense, things like that. And now you just got to – now we got to figure out what the hell the problem is, okay? Is it the offensive line coach? Is it the players? I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's it's bad, and they got to fix it. Obviously, Nick Foles is not the long-term answer, so we got to fix that as well. Do we do it this year in the draft? We couldn't do it last year, or in this, you know, I mean, sorry, do we do it next year in the draft? We couldn't do it this year because we didn't have any first-round picks. So who knows, man? We thought, oh, maybe like we need a tight end. That's the answer. So we spend for Jimmy Graham, and I mean, not knocking Jimmy Graham, he's been great, but. I mean, was that really the option? Maybe we get a tackle in the second round to maybe help our offensive line. I don't know, man. It's very frustrating as a Bears fan, and it's not an easy fix, man. And like, I don't know what they're gonna do next next year, next season. Like, but, but for me, like these guys are they're pretenders. Like the the Bears are not a good team. They're probably finished second in the division. They might sneak into a wild card because this defense is for real. And depending on the rest of their schedule after these next four games, you know, depending on the competition that they play. They could sneak in there because this Bears defense, like I said, they'll beat teams that they're, you know, that they're better than based solely on the fact that the Bears defense is phenomenal. Although they could reach a point where they just phone in the entire season. And I think that like they are in danger of that and it's probably going to happen. So yeah, really disappointing loss. I knew that this team was no good. But, I mean, it just sucks, man. And I hate to end the episode on, like, kind of a somber note, but that's that's kind of where we're at, man. I'm pissed off about the Bears. Really frustrating. Really, really awful. Oh, man. I need to say it, though. I had to get it off my chest. All right, but that is going to be it for this episode. I, again, I apologize kind of for the, the somber note, leaving, leaving in kind of, like, bad taste in your mouth there. But I, I had to end with it because I didn't know how long it was going to go. Uh, I still, you know, I still believe in the team. I still believe in Matt Nagy as the head coach, but things got to change, man. And we we got to m- make things simple, you know, send more guys, put more guys back there to block. I don't know. Do something, man. But, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate all the support. If you enjoyed this one, feel free to share it. Friends, family, coworkers, all that fun stuff. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Go watch some sports. Enjoy Game 6 of the World Series tonight. Camel race. Let's get it done, and I'll see you in the next one.